Welcome back to the Laces Out Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm your host, Nathan Ray. Once again, surrounded by the four same degenerates, including Corey Ginsberg, Mike Falcon, this is Tyler Pickford, and I'm Bobby Vito. And today we are talking about... Kind of screwed that up, but we're talking about the lehu is the hers of the draft. We, the guys were just not touching with a 10-foot pole, right? Um, each and every one of us have two guys that we just don't want to draft at all. We've done many mock drafts, way too many to actually uh, to admit right now. Uh, and there are two guys, well, probably more than two guys, but we're choosing the two best guys that we just don't believe deserved a roster spot on our rosters at the very least. And we're going to make our cases for it. Um, and right now we're going to go one round each and then we're going to go another round after that. And right now we're actually going to start with... Who haven't we started with you? Have we started with you, Tyler? Yeah, we've started with me. And we're going to do it again. All right, fine. We're going to start with you. Yeah. <laughs> Who's Tyler? one start. guy <laughs> that you just aren't a fan of in any way, shape, or form? Make a case. First guy I'm going to talk about is Nick Chubb. Uh, I don't want him on my fantasy football teams, and it's it's pretty simple why. The big one is Kareem Hunt uh, coming back eight weeks into the season. Uh, but it's more than just that. It's It's a workload issue across the board. I think that what they're going for in Cleveland right now is a pick-your-poison type offense with OBJ and David Njoku and Jarvis Landry, and we'll see about uh, Duke Johnson. Then we have Nick Chubb, Kareem Hunt. And I think the idea for them is to spread the ball around. We've seen it work with other teams. I think that's what they're going for. And then, obviously, you have Kareem Hunt, is like I said, the big one coming in the second half of the season, who I think is just going to sap uh, production away from Nick Chubb going into your fantasy playoffs, and that's that's not what you want. You don't want your superstar that's carried you all the way to the playoffs all of a sudden to take a back seat on your team, not on his team, going into the fantasy playoffs. I mean, so Kareem Hunt, you know, the just news just came out that he was involved in some incident where he was talking to the police. I mean, honestly, I don't know if he ever ends up playing meaningful snaps for the Browns. You know, he's... Bobby's looking at me like... I it was got like a like non six head story. It was a non-story, but it's a story involving him and the police. And it doesn't necessarily he doesn't necessarily have to do anything wrong to get suspended. We've seen that before. Yeah, um but if you go just a little deeper into the story, it's like he was not even involved in the situation. He was just there when it happened and it was like one of his friends or something. So he's already been cleared of it. And look at Zeke, he body checked dude into a fence and there's evidence and he's fine. And that's and that's fine. What I'm saying is people are hyper focused on him right now. If he so much as, like, farts in the wrong direction, like, TMZ is going to be spoiling that video on the internet, and, like, you know, dudes at work are going to be playing it for their friends. And, you know, I'm not necessarily convinced that, you know, like we've seen with other guys, that he's just going to be on the straight and narrow that whole time. And then, on top of that, he's not going to have any time with the team, you know, during the season. He's not going to get to know the playbook like Nick Chubb. I don't. I just don't see. You know, once his suspension's up, if he, you know, does get reinstated afterwards, if you know, provided he doesn't do anything else dumb, um, that they just decide to move away from Nick Chubb if he's doing well. Um, you know, and I think that even though you're right, they do have a lot of offensive weapons. I think they're going to be in scoring position a lot, and even if they are a pass-first team, you know, a running back on a team that's in scoring position a lot is a very valuable thing. Sure, and I'm not saying that Nick Chubb is, like, a bad running back or anything. He's talented. I'm just concerned about 
the consistency of the workload. And especially when Kareem Hunt gets back. And I, like, him talking to the police or farting in the wrong direction is clearly not going to affect their decision. They brought him in really quick after, you know, the incident that got him kicked out of Kansas City. So I don't think that's an issue. I don't think that's a concern for the Browns. That's not something I'm worried about. I think that they saw how talented of a player he is, and they were like, all right, well, you know, even if he's a piece of shit, like, we want him on our team to score touchdowns. So I'm, it's not like I'm saying Nick Chubb is all of a sudden going to be garbage once Kareem Hunt comes back. That's not what I'm saying at all. I'm saying that you're going to be depending on a certain amount of production from the running back that you took in the second round. And it's just not something... It's not. I don't want to deal with that volatility, especially, like I said, in the fantasy playoffs. I don't want to have any doubts about the production I'm getting out of my, you know, RB1 or, you know, RB2 that I took, you know, really high, a really high RB2 that I took. I don't want to be concerned going into the fantasy playoffs about what their workload's going to be like. Well, just curious then, what round would you possibly take him in? Because there's got to be a round for every guy, right? Oh, yeah, sure. No, Like, I, what, I mean, what happens like if he wouldn't? Ha- he wouldn't have to, like tank in, in ADP for me to think. I would take him happily, like I like I said, I like him as an RB2, but I wouldn't want to take him in the fourth round because it means that I have two rock-solid wide receivers and a rock-solid RB1 really? where I don't okay. have to worry about workload. So I want that stability going into the playoffs. And this is something that we always talk about. It's something that I'm known for in our league is that I want consistency over upside a lot of the time, and especially in the first four or five rounds. So, I mean, so say you had like the first pick and he's available on the swing, right? Like second, third, right? You wouldn't pick him up in the third round right there? Um, I mean, it depends. Depends what your team comp is? It, yeah, it depends on, and it depends on who's still on the board, but I'm gonna say probably 80% of the time the answer to that question is no. Okay. Yeah, because you have Zeke or Chris McCaffrey exactly. or Alvin Kamara and, yeah. or Saquon. Yeah, yeah. I, don't, I totally agree. Yeah, so yeah. I mean, that's... I think Kareem Hunt's going to fart his way into our hearts <laughs> once again. Well, and I think it. it's going to be beautiful. Yeah. No, he, Kareem Hunt is just too talented yes. for you to say that they're not going to use him. They're going to use him. It's going to be a 1A, 1B type situation. And that's... I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if they use him. I just don't know how much it's going to be, you know, this year. Sure, sure. Mike, you know what? I think this Your is more balls are showing... That's right, your balls are showing right now. Yeah, it's a ballsy <laughs> stance to take. It's a ballsy stance to take. Right. I didn't know how that was going to come out, but it was perfect. <laughs> My balls are showing. Like, you know, right now, completely disagree with your take. <laughs> I wouldn't touch him either. Thank you. In any round, actually. Wow. Yeah. In any round. No. He's Let's be real, because he's not, he's not going to fall because he has so much hype on a team that everybody's in love with at the moment. True. True. Everybody's in love with the Browns. Even me. I'm in love with the Browns. I'm going to say it right now. I'm a fan. I hopped on the bandwagon, even though obviously I'm a Saints fan, but I, I think that everybody on that team is overhyped, including Njoku and all those other players, so I don't think he's going to fall mm-hmm. to, to the point where I'm going to draft him in the fourth so, round. It's mm-hmm. not happening. My big thing, especially with Chubb, is that we saw a guy in his rookie year take over that backfield after about, what was it, week uh, six or seven, started the last basically 10 weeks of the season and averaged 17.6 yards and finished just shy of a thousand with eight touchdowns. If he mirrors that in any semblance in these first eight weeks, I think it's a very hard pressed dance to say that Kareem Hunt coming back from suspension is just going to automatically start taking carries away from someone that has that kind of production in the first eight weeks of the season. 
we might see Kareem Hunt play in some sort of special roles, but if Nick Chubb is doing it like he did it in the back half of last season, I don't see how the Browns are just going to give up his starting role, his workhorse role with Cleveland, period. Uh, I think that they could definitely take a dent into his carries. I think he's still going to probably be the lead guy, the 1A in their offense, which is what you're saying. But, um, I mean, you can see his. they're going to want to keep his legs fresh. Like, Nick Chubb is the future for the Browns. Kareem Hunt is a guy that if they, you know, if they think that they can make a play up front, we'll see how it goes this year. But, like, that's probably, you know, someone that they want to help him get to the postseason uh, for maybe a run here in the next couple of years. But Chubb is going to be their future back for – And on top of that, if we do suspect Kareem Hunt to fill this 1B role where they're both going to be utilized in certain aspects when he comes back, we've seen it before where two very talented running backs in a double-headed dragon situation have both been startable. Mark Ingram and Alvin Kamara, very recently, both very startable, serviceable running backs that produced very consistently. Yeah, that's like historical production, though. You know, like that's not something that's happened ever, ever. <laughs> you know, that's like like they they had a, two seasons ago the season that Mark Ingram and Alvin Kamara had had never happened before fifteen hundred plus scrimmage yards for each of them. So it's not like I'm not just, saying it's just that you just throw two running backs on a on a team and they're like they're gonna do good because they're both good running backs. Like that's just but Alvin Kamara is like super elite to go on what you're saying. Exactly, even his production, he was like averaging. Uh, over 30 points a game or something the first four weeks. Yeah. It was insane. And then Mark Ingram comes in, and you see his... He's still obviously an RB1, but his production took, like, 30 40% of a hit, you know, back. Uh, maybe less than that. But anyways, like, the the drop-off was clear, and I think that's what we're saying is going to happen to Chubb. Yeah. It's not a reliable guy, maybe, that early in the second. Like, I would take him if he fell to the late second or the third or something like that, but... There's so many really, really good guys in the you know very yeah. beginning of the second round. Like Antonio Brown's still there. But you don't have to worry about there. But you don't exactly. Have to worry about like I'll take Marlon Mack a round, full round later, and feel way better about him for the whole season. Sure, I think that's a good point. I'd feel comfortable with him in the third, late second, probably not early second. Yeah, and that comes back to what I'm saying. Nick Chubb is not a bad running back. He's a good football player. He's going to do great. But in terms of how much equity you're investing into where you're getting him. I'm worried about the returns, and that's all it is. That's fair. And yeah, people that are taking him in the first round is sick. Don't abs- Do not reach for Nick Chubb, but like what Mike has said, back round second, early third, I think that's a very solid spot for him to go. All right, well, I'll go ahead and talk about my guy next um, that I think that you should stay away from, and that is Darius Geis. Um, here is uh, a guy <laughs> who... Uh, I mean, this is going to be his first year really playing in the NFL, and he's already going in the early fifth round, 58. Is he really? Jesus. I don't understand why it's getting so high. He's on a team. This is uh, the three running backs that could start um, this season. Uh, All have torn their ACLs pretty recently, but he's the only one that never has run for over 2,000 yards in a single season. So Adrian Peterson and Bryce Love, the uh, Stanford guy they just drafted, um, who was a Heisman runner-up two seasons ago. He's a really good running back. <laughs> um, could both easily take over this job. I don't think Darius Geis is going to get it. Um, however, I do think it's, it could also be a revolving carousel. Um, the like Redskins get injured, period. That just happens. <laughs> There's something really wrong with that field. It's cursed. <laughs> something in the water. <laughs> I mean, I don't know if you guys saw the news that like 40... Uh, people from the Redskins organization have quit this year. It's like... Wait, what? Because Bruce Allen's... Oh. Cool. Test 
Testicle Tuesday. It's terrible. There's a, been a mass exodus because it turns out it's a shitty, shitty place to work. Um, so I don't like Darius Geis here. Uh, I actually like Bryce Love as a late sleeper. I think it's insane that Adrian Peterson is going as late as he is compared um, to Darius Geis when he's already number one on the depth chart and he's probably going to do that again next year. Um, so yeah, I would avoid wow. Darius Geis at all costs. I wouldn't even take him maybe until the ninth. So I want you to be so wrong. I do. I mean, and I'm a little invested in Darius Geis because I have him in a dynasty league and I want him to do good. Um, but I do kind of agree with you. I think that taking him in like the fifth or sixth rounds is just like such an insane risk. Um, you know, maybe if they didn't have Adrian Peterson, I don't necessarily buy what you're selling on Bryce Love just because he's currently injured too. And he's you know, probably going to play week one though. He's coming like everything's looking good. I hear what you're saying, and I don't think he's going to have it week one. But definitely, you want to watch him during training camp, see how he looks. Um, but Adrian Peterson, I think we agree, has this job. And I don't understand why he's going three rounds later. Sure, <laughs> sure. And, and I get that. I, my my th thoughts more with Bryce Love are, you know, if he's held out of, like, meaningful practice, then it's just going to take a while for him to see the field when he's got guys like Adrian Peterson and Darius Geis, who they have a lot of draft capital in. Um, you know, I think they want Darius Geis to be the guy. It still remains to be seen. I mean, because, yeah, Adrian Peterson's a good guy. But, I mean, Adrian Peterson's old. Like, he could very easily be injured and then... And come back. I mean, Adrian yeah, Peterson, yeah. you can't, like... Next year. And then the next year. <laughs> at a level. He still has his fresh baby knees. Like, I think he's <laughs> going to produce at least a, one more season. Um, so, I would... Uh, I mean, he's going to pull enough away to where you cannot take Darius guys. I was, like, looking around this ADP... Um, the fifth round of other running backs, um, and that's like it's like Tevin Coleman, uh, Lamar Miller, Tariq Cohen, uh, Kenyon Drake. We'll get to in a moment. Um, a lot of not very exciting guys around this round. Um, I would, if you don't have a chance to reach for like Chris Carson, if he doesn't fall this late or someone <laughs> like that, um, then I would honestly just go for one of these receivers. Like you can get Tyler Lockett around here. You can get Mike Williams, Kenny Galladay. These are solid players who will produce the whole season long. And Darius Geis has yet to prove anything. Yeah, it's a it's a tough one to make an argument against because who can, with a straight face, you know, claim that this is going to be the AJ Peterson falls off at this point. You know, it's like betting against Tom Brady. Mm. So, I agree with you. The thing is, like, there is some risk with taking Adrian Peterson, and there's some upside with taking Darius Geis just because Peterson is so old. Even though you want a fresh, let's get our shit together. Yeah, let's get our shit together, Corey. <laughs> How about you put your uh, laptop on mute and let Tyler But yeah, talk. real quick to get what you're saying, Adrian Peterson is going at the end of the ninth round, and Darius Geis is predicted to go. Yeah, no, that, so that's what I'm saying. It is a very difficult argument to make against what you're saying. There is a little, there is some upside that makes taking Geis, I'm just, I'm trying. <laughs> I'm grasping at straws. I'm just trying to come up with something, but I, I like I said, it, it is a very difficult argument to make. For yeah, and I'm not saying you take guys. Adrian Peterson at fifth overall. I'm just saying if you get any running back, you take Peterson in the ninth, maybe a little early, jump on him, and then maybe Bryce Love in the 15th, or you pick him up on waivers a month down the road. I will say the one time, the one, the one situation where I might take Darius guys is if I have my wide receivers and my running backs and my flex filled out, right? And he is like my first bench addition. In that case, I think that the upside there is enough that if I don't have to necessarily start him week one or rely on him till a bye week, 
then I think that, that he would be a cool guy worth taking. Sure. But at that spot, you're probably having to take him in, like, the seventh round where he's not going, right? To have your roster filled out? Well, and that's what I'm saying. That's where I value him. Right. And if, you know, he's not there at that point, then I'm just not going to get him. And I think that's what this whole conversation and whole podcast today is about, is just what we value these people as and what the general population value them as yeah. and that discrepancy. Yeah, yeah my discrepancy is I don't think you should take Darius Geis until maybe the 10th. I would Dear take him Lord. after Adrian Peterson every single time. I think he's bust. Respect the decision. Oh, wait a respect. I respect that. If you got any. I only like ACLs, so if you don't have one, get the fuck out. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? You hear that, Cripples? Yeah, you hear all Oh, man. Oh. 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 Well, cripples have fucking ACLs, dude. Not <laughs> all of them. Not all of them. Let's do a statistic. Anyway, uh, the guy that I am not touching with a 10-foot pole is Jordan Howard. And it's funny, because in our mini-episode... You guys were praising him, and that's okay. I get that. I respect it. Uh, I know you weren't Corey, but Mike was. And uh, <laughs> I get it. He's from the Bears, right? He's coming onto a team, pretty exciting offense. Totally understand. But listen, this is the guy who's being drafted as the 37th overall running back. Pretty late. I get that. 100, 103rd overall in half point PPR, which is like round eight, eight and a half, right? It's still in the eighth round. You're looking at guys like Anthony Miller, Vance McDonald, who I'm huge on, Dak Prescott, which is when I'm taking my quarterback. Everybody knows that by now. Um, Ronald Jones, guy with hot, huge upside also in our mini-episode. Um, Austin Hooper, Miles Sanders, who I would also take above him. Listen, there's a bunch of guys here that I would rather have with their upside than a guy who's in a running back by committee historically, historically for the last three years um, and enjoying Howard. And a guy, and I'll come to you in a second, Mike, and a guy who's not going to get 250-plus carries that he was getting with the Bears. A guy that I project to see mm, less than 150 carries over the course of the season. And there's a multiple reasons why. I think that people completely forget about Josh Adams, who's on that team. A guy that he came in. Listen, yards per carry-wise, he, he averaged 4.3 yards per carries. Yards per carry. He came in and did a pretty decent job for them and when they needed somebody. And I don't think he's going anywhere. Sure, he's deep on the depth chart at the moment, but you have a young guy in Miles Sanders. You have Josh Adams. You have um, Jordan Reginald Howard. And I don't believe that he's going to be giving you the amount of carries that you need with a guy in the in the eighth round, truthfully. Continue, Mike. All right. What do you got, buddy? So, okay. first of all, anybody could have four yards per carry if they only have, like, six rushing attempts. Um... Second of all, at 120. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> okay. Tomato, tomato. Um, listen, I don't think Jordan Howard is going to be as valuable on the Eagles as he was historically on the Bears. Um, what I do disagree with is you saying that people like Ronald Jones, who had 23 carries last year, have more upside. I think that's insane. And the reason I'm saying this is. First of all, Miles Sanders has been injured through practice, okay? He's kind of an unknown. He's been having troubles with pass protection and ball security. I think that he is going to play a major part in that offense. I don't know when that's necessarily going to happen. Um, but I do think that, you know, there's going to be at least a 50-50 split between Jordan Howard and other people on that team. What I do think, though, is that Jordan Howard is going to get the goal line work. He has statistically been great on the goal line. He kind of profiles as that kind of rusher. 
you know, he's a big guy who runs between the tackles. And, you know, the Eagles are a decent team. I think they're going to be in scoring position a decent amount of the time. You know, if you're picking a guy in the eighth round, you've probably filled out your roster. You're looking for some bench spots, right? You're looking for people with upside to throw in in your bye weeks or throw in when you have an injury, right? And, you know, I like goal line backs to fill in when I need to throw somebody in my roster for a week or so. Because you know what, you're right, he's not going to be getting these high yardage totals, he's not gonna be getting a ton of carries. But, you know, there is the off chance that he's gonna score two touchdowns in one day just because field position put them at the four yard line twice, you know, in the first half. So that's what I like about him and, you know, I, Ronald Jones. I get dude. what you're saying. Oh, man. I mean, you can you can hate on Ronald Jones all you want. It was just an example of a guy that I like with the upside because just, of the team that he's on with the coach they have, and Peyton. He's gonna take Peyton Barber. This is this is not about Ronald Jones. <laughs> this is just about. But you're making it about upside. Ronald Jones, Nate. And I hate okay, it. let's talk about Austin Eckler, guy I'm taking over him. Dar- Darrell Henderson, who has a very. <laughs> I'm taking him over Jordan Howard, who's drafted way later. I'm taking Matt Breda probably over him because of the upside there. I'm, there's so many guys Matt- below him. Edo Smith. You're coming around to Matt Breida? Yeah, we can. Finally, Matt. Oh, uh, finally. Well, Maybe. just this, I don't like Matt Breida, and that's how you, that tells you how much I don't like Jordan Howard. <laughs> I think but the that, point is, there's just people. This the point of this. What this yes. this argument is? I'm just guys. I'm not touching every single draft I've done, and I've done many. I haven't touched him. Every time I see him, I'm like, yeah, no, absolutely not. I'm going to somebody else because I don't want a running back by committee. I don't want to guess when the guy is going to give me two touchdowns. Because I'm not going to put him on a roster. Well, you're saying you don't want a running back by committee, and then you're talking about drafting Rojo or Austin Eckler over him. At least, like, Jordan Howard has some guaranteed, like... Uh, but that, like, but in my opinion, I think Rojo's going to take over. I don't think it's going to be a running back by committee. There's only two running backs there. Don't fucking talk about Andre Ellington. <laughs> Andre Ellington is going to get meaningful snaps this year, and yeah, I fucking have a, guarantee have a bet on that. But, no, I completely disagree. Um, but he, going to Darrell Henderson, a guy that I believe is going to split touches with... Todd Gurley, I'd rather have that dude. It's not a running back by committee. It's two guys. And I would, on a very, I, I would agree with you okay. on that. All right, but Austin Eckler, I, I don't agree there. I don't agree with Ronald Jones. Okay, you don't have I, to agree I with Ronald Jones. I think is though like he, this is a tenth round guy who's like two full rounds later, and he has that upside yeah. that I don't think Jordan Howard has. We know what Jordan Howard's ceiling is, but Ronald Jones or Peyton Barber could end up being a top full back. Or even Adrian Peterson, who's being drafted 142 overall. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'd just rather have somebody else. I'll run another running back later on after my, <laughs> after I after I've already filled up my roster. That's that's the whole point of this. I just think that people are completely writing off Jordan Howard, and I don't think that he is dead yet. I think he I, he's dead. He's not dead. He's not dead. He's I'll been a good up. running back. I think he will have value this year. I'll take I'll take him out right now. Anybody else want to argue with me, or do they agree with me? I don't know, Corey. You can I mean, play another. Uh, you can play another YouTube ad on your computer. Real quick. <laughs> yeah, that'd be great. No, Fill good. up a little time. But here's the thing, real quick. I mean, you're looking for a guy that can tote the ball. I mean, historically, once again, running back by committee. 2016, Ryan Matthews was the guy over there. 155 carries. Uh, Garrett Blunt, 173 carries. Like those are the guys that led this team in carries. And I don't believe that a guy who averaged 3.7 yards last year is going to be a guy that they're going to want to tote the ball 200 plus yards. That many times. I want to make this argument for another 45 minutes, but I'm going to stop. We could. We'll, we'll do it. We'll do it. Just you and me. We'll probably make a bet on it in the end. I know it's. I know it's an auditory medium, but yeah, no, next mini sode, Nate and Mike on Jordan Howard. Done. Yeah. 
All right. Who you um, got, Corey? My boy. I'm going to talk about uh, a guy that's going in the uh, early third round, late second, Devontae Freeman. Um, this is a guy that I just think you need to stay clear away from. And a large part of that, I know a lot of people, Tyler especially, doesn't like bringing up injury history. But this injury history is very concerning with the sheer fact that just from 2017 alone, so two years, he's had one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight injuries. Three of those are concussions. Two of those are foot injuries. Running backs and foot injuries are a no-go for me, especially with someone that's approaching into later on in his career. He's approaching his late 20s. This is going to impact him. And then three injuries in the last two years concerning concussions with another concussion dating back in 2015 had, I believe, two more concussions in college. I would say he's about a concussion away from not playing football again. This is a guy that is just, he's, he's going to get injured. Even in all the predictions that I've looked up, he has about a 60% re-injury risk this season. There's no way. He's going way too high, especially for someone that missed almost all of last season. I cannot see him putting up any sort of great uh, value from where he's being drafted at, period. This is, I believe, the biggest bust in this draft that I you can for sure look at and say, yeah, this person is going to get injured and he's going to directly affect my team, especially when you count on to the fact that he has the seventh hardest schedule for running backs this year. So, Corey, so say like, you know, the value's too good, he drops really far, and you pick up Devonta Freeman, right? You're saying, your, your, your main argument here is that he's an injury risk. Is there anybody else on that Falcon depth chart that you would maybe handcuff him with? Oh, Ida Smith, for sure. Okay, so you're going Ida Smith. Ida Smith is going yeah. to be the clear backup. But again, it's not something that I'm excited about. I wouldn't target any Atlanta running back at this point. In okay. my opinion, the only there's two Atlanta players that you need to own, and that's Julio Jones and Calvin Ridley. Everyone else, I just don't see the value of what you're drafting these players at is not what you're going to get in return, especially with Devontae. And Matt Ryan. Ryan. Hey, Matt Ryan. No, Matt Ryan is obviously He's going really high though. Like for a quarterback. Mm -hmm. QB2 last year. Yeah. 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 I'm just saying I wouldn't well, When you like, have... I'm obviously a player that should be on. When you have the talent that is Julio Jones and you have that red zone, that touchdown catching back, or that wide receiver in Calvin Ridley, like Matt Ryan is going to go high. Yeah. I think he's going to have a great year. He's going to probably finish in the top five in QBs. That's fine. But Devontae Freeman is just such a risk that I... And people are stoked on Devontae Freeman and all I can think about is why this man is so injury prone and he has shown it in four years time like that's why Tevin Coleman was such a value to have in that backfield and Ido Smith isn't even near the same talent in my opinion that Tevin Coleman is so that running back committee whatever you want to call it it's just it's not going to be anywhere near in terms of value of what you're going to be getting. Would you now. take Derrick Henry 
who goes two spots after or Devonta. It's Derrick Henry. Even though I'm low on Derrick Henry Ugh. and someone that I would also put on my undraftable, Derrick Henry is not going. Whoa, whoa, whoa! whoa. I'm getting to this later, Corey. Okay, okay. Fair I'm just, I was just Fair curious. Fair I was just looking. I was like, two spots later. I'm still taking yeah. Devontae Freeman. No, yeah, I would I take Devontae so, Freeman. I take Derrick Henry. It's, both, it's gross, Devontae though. Freeman. What happens if Devontae Freeman doesn't get hurt, though? Like, I don't think that that's... Nope, no, just, that's, not, not, that's not the scenario he gave. <laughs> okay, okay, fine. Yeah. The scenario in which he doesn't get injured, his productivity has been going down in the last three years that he has not been... or He's been injured every year since 2015, but his productivity has been going down since. And that could be an argument because of Tevin Coleman and the usage of Tevin Coleman. But 15, he had 1,000, 56 yards, 4 yards per carry... 11 touchdowns. 2016 actually went up. 1,079 yards, 4.8 yards to carry, 11 touchdowns. When he's healthy, he's good. Yeah, when he's healthy, he's good. But yeah. the problem is he hasn't been healthy since but the 2017. Was when he's healthy. Sure. <laughs> but, but, you know. I, I, look, I, I see your argument. I'm not even going to argue with you, but I've still taken him over Derek Henry. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah. <gasps> that's, that's, fine. Gross. that's fine, but that's a gross situation. Yeah, a gross yeah situation. don't worry, guys. And we'll shit on Derrick Henry a little bit later. <laughs> yeah, uh, one deep gem I want to bring up, though, on the Falcons, and I've talked about this guy before, but it's Marcus Green. He's a running back that they drafted. Um, and I would definitely take a look at him. He's third on the depth chart right now. He's a player you should look at in Dynasty and maybe is a late-round flyer. But Marcus Green? He could end up being uh, yeah, a name worth remembering. Nobody's talked about him before. This is what happens when you talk so much. You don't hear what other people say. He's not, he's not even on the ESPN depth chart. That's why he's so sleepy. I'm getting way too into this. I'm, like, I'm sorry for talking in a podcast. Yeah, just a deep sleeper and keep your eyes on during uh, you know rookie camp and things like that. This guy could end up taking over the number two job. Edo Smith is... I mean, he's not that great, so it, that job's up for grabs. And if Devontae Freeman does get inevitably injured, then he will see some play time. Truth. All right, yeah, so I'm going to be talking first about Robbie Anderson. I really don't understand uh, how people are talking about drafting him, you know, in the mid-seventh round. It's just bananas to me. So last year he had 94 targets, uh, which places him 46th amongst pass catchers. Um, so people like Zay Jones, uh, you know, fantasy-relevant fantasy superstar Zay Jones had more <laughs> targets than he did. Uh, Willie Sneed, who I'm sure led all of you guys to victory last year, uh, also had more targets um, than Robbie Anderson. And, it, you know, everybody's talking about how, you know, he's going to be the wide receiver one and a wide receiver one has value and stuff like that. But I'm not necessarily convinced about that. Quincy Inunua is still on the team. And, you know, if you break down both of their seasons, you know, uh, Robbie Anderson averaged 6.7 targets per game. Quincy Anuma averaged 6.2 targets per game. I really don't think that there's going to be this huge discrepancy where Robbie Anderson pulls out in front and gobbles up a huge target share. Corey, you already have something to disagree with me about? Yeah. Um, so Robbie Anderson was the clear favorite in the New York Jets. I realized that his target share was down, but he ate up the biggest percentage of that target share. That's what I'm saying. 6.7 versus 6.2. Yeah. That was Sam Darnold's rookie year, and he was also injured for a part of that. He's coming back healthy. Back to his wide receiver one, who he already established had his favorite target. 
I believe that that target share does nothing but go up, and that increases Robbie Anderson's ceiling, not diminishes it in any sort of way. So Quincy Anum was also injured last season, which, in my opinion, is why he had such a low target share as well, or a low target share average. Okay, I think that, you know, Robbie Anderson plays on the outside. He's the deep threat, right? He's the speedy guy. Quincy Anunua plays more in the slot. You know, for a young quarterback, first of all, I think that's a much more accessible target than the deep guy. Um, but you're right. Let's talk about Sam Darnold because Sam Darnold is a dumpster fire. Uh, so damn, Sam Darnold in 2018 finished 21st in passing attempts, so not very good, uh, 31st in completion percentage, 23rd in passing yards, and he tied for second with your boy Josh Rosen uh, for second in interceptions. You right. really couldn't imagine like a worse rookie year. And I, you know, I just don't see a lot to tell me that he is going to. I mean, I'm sure he will improve. Right? Oh, he's really? a rookie. It's another year in the offense. I don't think he's going to improve leaps and bounds. I don't think he's going to be Baker Mayfield next year. So, you know, we have an offense led by, you know, astute offensive mind Adam Gase, who we saw with the Dolphins led, you know, an offensive powerhouse. We have Sam Darnold, who had a very, very rough rookie season. Arguably as bad as Josh Rosen, who the Cardinals decided to leave at a gas station in Florida this year. And then we have Robbie Anderson, who is, quote-unquote, the wide receiver one on his team. To me, that's just not compelling. There's a lot of guys going around his ADP, um, such as Lamar Miller, who I would take over him. Because Lamar Miller is a very consistent running back. Sterling Shepard. Consistently bad. Consistently bad. He finishes with like a thousand yards every year. Mm. Robbie Anderson is not going to do that. Sterling Shepard, I would take over Robbie Anderson. Dante Pettis, I would take over Robbie Anderson. Marvin Jones and Nate's favorite man to hate, Jordan Howard, I would take over Robbie Anderson. All of these guys are going around the same general time as Robbie Anderson. And the biggest thing for me, looking back in 2008, Robbie Anderson played 14 games. Guess how many games he finished with under 50 yards? How many, sir? 10. 10 of 14 games he finished with under 50 yards. How can you ever put that person in your lineup and expect them to get you points? Okay. My, my, my ceiling for him is like a Deshaun Jackson with like the Buccaneers. Every now and then you'll have a game where he goes off for like 120 yards and maybe two touchdowns. But every other game, you're going to get, like, four, five points. That's and real it, disrespectful to Deshaun Jackson. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm saying with the Buccaneers. I'm, I'm, I'm green. I understand that. And I'm, I'm saying end of his career. <laughs> end of his career. Old. Still super fast. No respect to Deshaun Jackson. Don't come to my house. Deshaun Jackson <laughs> tore up the league in 2018. Like, that Fitzpatrick, you know. You're right. Insanity. You're right. But... Sam Darnold is not Ryan Fitzpatrick, and he never I agree will be. Anderson is a bust, and I think that he'll never be as good as Deshaun he Jackson. Will never be Ryan Fitzpatrick. So the, my whole thing with Robbie Anderson is that this guy is like lightning. Sorry, this guy I took is, your beer. This I guy don't. is like lightning. He ran. He runs a four three four forty, and Sam Darnold. Yes, he was at the bottom of the pack last year, and he has nowhere to go but up. He's going to increase his target share to Robbie Anderson, and if he can get that clear separation from that backfield, which I'm 100% sure he will because I saw it happen last year, he's going to be 
well worth where you're taking him in that seventh round slot because his ceiling is so high. My two counterpoints to that real quick are, uh, one, Darius Hayward Bay was also fast, and two, uh, going up maybe one or two ranks doesn't really make him a good quarterback anyways. So, yeah, I just I just don't see it happening. Tyler, I'm done working. Real quick, gun to your head. Corey Davis, Robbie Anderson. Corey Davis, 100%. 100%. Okay. I disagree with that, but but I do I agree with your argument. I just disagree with that. Okay, it's cool. I don't like Corey Davis either. But oh yeah, neither do I. He, he's going two spots. Gun to my head, you know. Yeah. I'm sad. I'm sitting there on my knees. <laughs> you know, it's raining a little Robert, bit. Try to find a third option. <laughs> yeah, trying to find a third option. I'm saying Corey Davis. Okay, good enough. <laughs> Continue. And with that, Tyler, you're up. Uh, second guy I'm going to talk about is Sony Michelle. Uh, similar reasons to Nick Chubb. I just I don't like the situation. I don't think there's very much security there. I don't think you can trust him late in the season. Uh, big thing. Yeah, I, I know what he did last. Year. I know what he did late. I know what he did in the postseason last year. But this is more Scored about the only touchdown. Yeah, no, yeah. Damian Harris is a thing. So Damian Harris is the big thing. Sony Michelle, they're really worried about his knees. That's why they invested so much capital into getting Damian Harris, because Damian Harris is a similar back who does similar things. And, I mean, regardless of whether or not he gets injured, we've seen what the Patriots do when they have similar backs on the same team, like a Rex Burkhead, Deion Lewis, James White situation when they had all those guys floating around. I think that even if Sony Michelle doesn't get injured, which is what I'm concerned about with the knee procedure that he had, they're going to give Damian Harris a lot of, not I wouldn't say a lot of work, but a decent amount of work. They're going to get him on the field, and he's going to be taking work away from Sonny Michelle. So I think you're looking at Dent in the production that he had last year, and I think that was going to get later into the season. They're going to be more and more concerned about his injury. The way it's going to get colder and colder in New England, which you know tends to exacerbate injuries. And I think they're just going to be they're going to go back to a timeshare in terms of that power back role. James White's always going to have his role carved out. But I think Sony Michelle and Damian Harris are gonna chomp on each other's bits a little bit. I, I think James White's really the only um, running back on the uh, New England Patriots that I'm targeting this year. Yeah, just yeah, because his his role is so carved out and defined. Exactly. You know, and he's got that pass catching upside. Yeah. So I think again the same thing as Nick Chubb. I think Sony Michelle is a good running back. I just I don't like the risk that goes along with taking him. And I won't even call it risk necessarily, but just the downside that goes along with taking him as early as you have to take him. I don't want I don't want to be concerned about my RB2 going into the fantasy playoffs and that's that's what it is. So you're more worried about his knees than you are the competition. Cuz if he has if cuz if he's fully healthy, he's he's throwing the ball 200 plus times, would you agree? Um I wouldn't say that necessarily. I think that like I said with like I said with the Patriots, and they have backs on a roster that do similar things. They tend to rotate them in and out. It's they don't they How many very, times did they throw rarely the, in the did past. They carry the ball last year, 204. 209. 209. But they didn't have anybody right. that had a similar skill set. Now they do. Mm. And Belichick is going to do what he does and he's going to say, well, I just want to keep these players fresh. It doesn't matter if they get 15 carries a game. Yeah. I'll give them both seven. I'll give one seven. I'll give one eight. And then yeah, we're gonna, and they're going to be better as a football team, which is what Bill Belichick cares about. He doesn't give a fuck about your fantasy team. That's fair. Yeah, and he doesn't give a fuck about individual human beings either. Exactly. Uh, but I will say, though, that Sonny Michelle got 209 rushes at, like with only starting eight games and only completing 13 out of 16. So, I mean, he's still got like a pretty good workload without 
necessarily being the starter or while sharing with other yeah, people. Yeah, so he was so. he was one of two last year, and now what I'm saying is he's going to be one of three. I'm saying that they're not going to have any... What's the word I'm looking for? Hesitation in putting Damian Harris onto the field. That's just... Oh, they, as long as he doesn't fumble. So maybe he fumbles week one, and then Sony Michelle gets all the carries the rest of the season. That's possible. But with having someone with such a similar skill set and someone who they know is going to be an injury risk, this is just how the Patriots... This is how I look at the Patriots organization, this is just how they function. And it's how they've functioned historically, is that they have two running backs with similar skill sets. They're going to divide the workload. That's just what they do. I mean, I think the problem with speculating with the, about the Patriots and the Patriots' backfield is, now that you've said that, he's going to score 15 touchdowns. Yeah, no, probably. <laughs> you're, you're probably right. And that's what, I get for, that's what I get for trying to predict New England's backfield. And I will, you know, I will be upset if I miss out on those 15 touchdowns, but I don't think it'll happen. Yeah, I, I don't know about 15 touchdowns, but I think that Sonny Michelle is definitely going to keep his starting role. Um, they still, He's still a first-round talent they invested in last year. Um, in the preseason, he averaged over 100 yards and two touchdowns per game. Um, postseason? Yeah, postseason. postseason. I meant postseason. So that's, uh, I mean, they definitely trust him. Mm-hmm. Um, if you look at ball security, the thing that they care about the most, he only fumbled it once last year. Yeah. So I think that Sonny Michelle... I mean, I am. I own Sonny Michelle in Dynasty League, so I'm worried about him for sure. But I think that he is just good enough to keep his job. Um, I'm not worried about Williams taking over. I think they're going to put him in sparingly, but I think that Sonny Michelle is going to be their go-to guy. Yeah, and I'm not worried about him losing a starting job. That's not necessarily what I'm saying. I'm saying that I think Damian Harris is going to just, in my opinion, he's going to take a bigger chunk than you think he's going to take. And that's where our disagreement is. And that's just because I've watched Bill Belichick do this for years, and you're right, it is a first round, but then they drafted Damian Harris, what, in the second, or was it the third? So it's not like they have no draft capital in him, mm-hmm. and they drafted him for a reason, and that's no. what I'm saying. And I, I hate agreeing with all of you. I don't necessarily know what that reason is, but I think it's a depth. I think it's more of like a depth scare. Um, you know, you see lots of players signed when, after they come through injury. Burkhead got hurt last year. There was mm-hmm. just a lot of issues, and they are a team that needs to play a lot more games than anyone else, so they need to be in it for the long haul. And we've also, we've all been victim to Bellatrix, as I like to call it, where, you know, we assume that he's going one way, and then in a game he can immediately turn that to you. And like you said, Tyler, it's all come, it all comes down to basically whoever the hot hand is for that game. He could try three different running backs and if one of them sparks, like if James White sparks one game, Sony Michelle might not get that worthwhile value that you're looking for him game by game. Nate, uh, again, I agree, <laughs> but I mean, <laughs> good, and, good and stuff. That sucks. But and then you also got to look at. I mean, he's being draft, drafted 57th overall. Guys after him: Tyler Boyd, Josh Jacobs, Tariq Josh Cohen, Jacobs, Tariq Cohen. I'm honestly, I would take Tariq Cohen over him. Because yeah. I know his role. I know he's going to catch a shit ton of balls. Exactly. We only play in PPR because that's the only fucking league you should play in. <laughs> fucking weirdo standard. Fuck you, standard. When's the last time you played in standard? doesn't fucking matter. That was our first the year. First year. First we year. Fantasy first year. Because we didn't know shit. <laughs> I remember <laughs> kindergarten. And we didn't I would also shit. take your boy, Bobby. I would also take Chris Carson over him. Just because yeah. we know. Oh, yeah. Spider-Man. They know what their role is. So you have to look at who's behind them. I'm not touching him either. I'm exactly. going right, moving right past that dude. Bobby, who you got? All right, my guy is another uh, dolphin, um, and that is Kenyon Drake. I think that uh, he is going in like the fifth round right now on my rankings here in Fantasy Football Calculator. Um, this is a guy that uh, wasn't able to do a whole lot last year, um, 
you know, behind one of the worst offensive lines in football. Uh, the Dolphins are even worse this year on the O-line, I think. Uh, they're ranked, you know, in the bottom of the barrel uh, on everything I've seen. So he's not going to have a whole lot of opportunity. You have Fitzpatrick uh, or Josh Rosen, who knows, um, probably both this season. Um, it's going to be chaos there. Uh, I don't think that he is a draftable player at all. He barely got like 500 yards last year. Um, it's just a player I want to avoid entirely. I don't think I want to go with any running backs. Uh, you know, Kalen Balazs looks kind of interesting as like a dynasty prospect. Um, but this is uh, a team you should avoid <laughs> under any circumstances. And Kenyon Drake in the fifth is a joke. Um, I, go ahead, Mike. I mean, okay, I will say that, like, he did have a 1,000 yards from scrimmage, which does matter and is valuable. And he also had nine touchdowns yeah. last year. So he was a serviceable back. It's just the fact that Adam Gase is a fucking idiot. Yeah, you're a fucking idiot. Yeah, fuck you, Adam Gase. You want to come over to my place? Meet me in Mesa, Arizona, bud. I'll fuck you up. Um, but seriously. Nobody likes Adam Gase. Very yeah, well. yeah, yeah. You know what? You were overrated when you were on the Bears. Um, so <laughs> good one, Mike. But this guy was like playing like seventy-six-year-old Frank Gore over Kenyon Drake when yeah. Kenyon Drake's like yards per carry were like four point five the year before, four point eight the year before that, five point four. He's a great pass catcher. Yeah. I think he's a very talented back. I just think that that offense last year and the play calling was just horrendous. And now Gore has decided to grace another team with his age and wisdom. And it's between Kenyon Drake and a completely unproving Kalen Balaj. I think, you know, Flores is going to come in and Kenyon Drake's going to get first shot at it. I mean, granted, Balaj is an unknown quantity. Maybe something could come up. But, I mean, his rookie year, like, we barely saw him. So I'm not super afraid of him taking over the job. I don't think any – I think you're right. Like, Rosen is a trash heap, and Fitzmagic is, I mean, you know, basically God. Um, Actually, so, running backs look really good. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, I think I think that there is going to be a lot of work for him, and, you know, the, the saying goes, like, a starting running back on a team is valuable. I don't think he's going to be an RB1. I think he'll be an RB2. And Which is where he's being drafted. Yeah, so that and, that, and I think that's where he's being drafted. And that, to me, that's fine. Well, if you, Bobby, Bobby even said he's going in the fifth. So, like, if you're drafting him as your it's flex, like a flex option. He's a starting running back in your flex spot. I think that's, that's a steal. Yeah, no, I agree. I agree 100%. Suck it, Bobby. I would not take him. <laughs> Enjoy your Dolphins roster because I would much rather take uh, who's else going around here, like James White. Um, over him, it's the same. He's being drafted right above Sony Michelle, so it's the same yeah. exact guys: Tyler Boyd, Josh Jacobs, Tariq Cohen, James White. Yeah, Mark I would hundred percent take Sony Michelle there. I know he's going to put a production. Um, and obviously, contrary to what you're saying, Tyler, but I still believe in Sony. Yeah, some people would beg to. Did you not listen? No. Josh Jacobs. Um, I think he could. This is very high variance player, but his he could be a first yeah, round gotta, talent next season. Let me ask you a question. Yeah. Let me ask you a question, Bobby, because I'm going to pull on your heartstrings here real quick. Say Sony Michelle was drafted before him, because I could see that happening. Josh Jacobs is gone, and so is Chris Carson. Are you willing to draft Kenyon Drake right there? Because then you're looking at Tyler Boyd, Hunter Henry, Mark Ingram, James White. I would take. I would definitely take James White and Mark Ingram. Are you kidding, Kenyon Drake? You would take Mark Ingram over Kenyon Drake. 
Yeah, yeah. I would not do that. That's I'm insane. worried about Justice Hill. All right, for sure. That's but one I would take awful Justice Hill <laughs> later on as a handcuff for Mark Ingram if I'm going to take him. Okay. I do, I do, I'm not excited about Kenny Drake in the slightest. Okay. I think he's. It's, it's, not, it's not about the sexy pick, Bobby. It's about the right. It's thing. not about being sexy. It's he's in the wrong position. All right, I just like. The, oh, he plays running back. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> on the Dolphins, and it's <laughs> the worst place to do it. Hey, right Adam now. Gase is gone, man. Who knows I what agree. the Dolphins can achieve now? Honestly, if I you think have children on your offensive line, no one's going to be able to get any positive yardage. So <laughs> you still okay. averaged four point five yards last season, man. Let's see how it happens. All right, see that's, how that's Look, I, I get it, but you're wrong. He also he also just real quick had 477 receiving yards. Yeah, yeah, yeah you you don't need an offensive line to do that. Barely over a thousand. Again, that's not a player. I think that James White and Mark Ingram could easily top that. James White maybe. Mark Ingram can suck it. Fair enough. On to me, Mike Williams. On to you. Fuck that guy. Okay. Although I was huge, I was very high on him last year, uh, which I was kind of proven right, but I wasn't proven right. Because he did really well. <laughs> um, he, he scored 10 touchdowns. That's awesome. But he did with 43 receptions. <laughs> Think about that for a second. That's ridiculous. Yeah. That's unsustainable. It is an unsustainable. It's thing. unsustainable. 43 yeah. receptions. And then you have, and then you take, you take a completely different team this season, right? In terms of receiving core. You have Hunter Henry who came back, who Philip Rivers likes. You have a guy in Keenan Allen who he's tended to like very. Much so, <laughs> every single season. Eloquently um, put. Yeah, I know, right? Very <laughs> much so. English. Um, he had 97 receptions last year, Keenan. Um, then he had 107 the year before. I just don't like where Mike Williams is going at the moment, and that is at the 65th overall spot in the fourth round. I'm sorry, in the sixth, the sixth round. Either way, the sixth round. And because of the of the talent that's around him, right? I don't want a guy who's potentially a wide receiver three on a team in that area when I can go for a guy in, and that's probably what I'm probably looking at my tight end if I don't get the Travis Kelsey's of the world. Um, and Evan Ingram is staring me in the face in that moment. David Montgomery, a guy who I know is going to get the volume. Lamar Miller, even though it's not a sexy pick, he might get you 995 yards again this season with seven touchdowns. I would rather have that upside rather than a guy who's going to get you 35 to 45 receptions and five touchdowns realistically this season. So my whole thing with Mike Williams is I, you brought up unsustainable numbers and Mike Williams was the second most targeted player on that offense last year. Now, if we want to talk about unsustainable, Mike Williams, I do feel is a very talented wide receiver, but Keenan Allen was targeted a whopping 136 times as opposed to Mike Williams, 66. You don't think that that's going to eat into the target shares whatsoever in any point. Wait, I don't even know what your point is. <laughs> so, that, so that Keenan Allen saw a crazy amount of targets. As he has every time he's – every year. Yeah, I mean, it, it wasn't his craziest, which was 159 in 2017. <laughs> right, Philip Rivers really likes him, yeah. Yeah, he really likes him, but it's his second most – that he's been targeted in his career, mm -hmm. I just don't see that that target load is going to be the same. It might still be in that mid hundred or that like hundred, maybe hundred and ten. Right. But Mike Williams, I think, will see more than six. Well, Hunter Henry wasn't playing last season. 
That's and I fair. think that's going to dig in. I don't think I think Keenan Allen has his role. He's going to get a hundred plus targets every single season, like he has proven historically, right? When he's healthy, and so, except for when he has a lacerated kidney. Um, but when he's healthy, he's getting his targets. When Hunter Henry is on the field, Philip really likes him. That's what he's proven, right? And uh, he's coming back this season, so I think he's going to dig into his targets. I don't think anybody's digging into Keenan Allen. This is about Mike Williams. Mike Williams is just not going to see the target share for a six-run pick. That's my, that's my You're point. completely forgetting about Antonio Gates, who's going to command his own amount of targets. Dude is a, is All right, a, you're actually forgetting about Tyrell <laughs> Williams, though. He's, he's going, dude. He's in yeah. the Raiders. Yeah, no, that's what I'm saying. Okay. 60 targets <laughs> yeah. there that are going out. Right. Um, so I think Hunter Henry's going to take some of that, but I think that Mike Williams <laughs> is going to take the lion's share of those 60 Oof. targets. I, I really am high on Mike Williams. I smell a bit. I, I, I agree with them. As that, a too. Like, there's no way that he gets, you know... 66 targets next year like he definitely gets more but like the the 10 touchdowns is insane so i i think that there will be some regression in one area but some progression in the other okay so i honestly think he'll have a pretty similar season i would rather have dante pettis period i'm not i agree with that honestly i would yep that's close give me all that but we don't have time to even (laughs) argue about it I'm, i'm just right continue mike i mean uh Corey. All right, so I'm going to talk about uh, who a lot of people are actually going to think is going to have a breakout year this year, uh, DJ Moore. Um, And the reason why I have him in my do not touch is simply for the fact that Cam Newton in the last four years has never targeted a wide receiver more than 16% of the time. Uh, His most targeted player last year was Christian McCaffrey. His most player targeted last or the year before that was Christian McCaffrey. player most targeted before that was Greg Olson, and the player most targeted before that was Greg Olson. Even when they had Ted Ginn, he didn't target him more than 16% of the time, and Cam Newton has been in that same pack, aside from his first year as a quarterback for the Panthers, has never surpassed that 4,000-yard mark. He's always been in that mid-3,000 range. Because that's what he does. He's a dumb passer, and he just had the addition of Chris Hogan that's going to take up that slot spot. He's going to take up his own target shares with the dump pass. Christian McCaffrey, yeah, he's not going to see the same target load as he did last year, but he's still going to command a massive amount of shares catching from that backfield. I don't care if his shoulder is better. Christian McCaffrey is the best player on that offense, and he's going to command a massive amount of target loads, and I just don't see... DJ Moore would have to increase his target load by 15% for him to be, in my opinion, that breakout caliber player that everyone is expecting him to be, which means that's 32% of his targets. It's not going to happen. I think that's definitely going to happen. I think we've seen the ceiling of Christian McCaffrey and maybe of any running backs load they can handle. I think that that's going to regress because Cam Newton can actually stretch out the field. And I think that DJ Moore is going to be yeah, he's definitely he's got eighty targets last year. I think that's definitely going to go over hundred. It's that fifteen percent or fifteen to thirty uh, percent increase that you're asking for. But what I'm telling you is that he's never done this in his career. Has targeted a wide receiver more than nine more than nineteen percent of the time. He has never targeted a wide receiver that okay. much. I mean that's fine, but I still think that the Cam Newton is learning as a quarterback. He's you know he was pretty rough around the edges. He's obviously been very successful every time he's gone to the football field. And that natural talent is finally caught up with him. So he's learning to be a better pocket passer. And I think that 
in this new throwing arm motion that he's going to be unveiling this season, mm. I think that he's definitely going to be stretching out the field, and TJ Moore is going to be the like recipient of all that increased production. I, I also think, like, you're talking about Ted Ginn. Ted Ginn's never, you know, lit the world on fire, but he had Steve Smith for a while, and Steve Smith still got shit done while he was on the Carolina Panthers with Cam Newton. Yeah, but we're also talking about a future Hall of Fame wide receiver, and not to say that DJ Moore can't be that guy. Huh? Steve, not Steve, Steve Smith. Smith. Oh, not okay. Ted Kent. Uh, um, oh, but say maybe. <laughs> I'm not saying that DJ Moore can't be that guy, but... I mean, aside, I just, we haven't seen it in Cam Newton's career that he's ever done this before. I, I, it's, you, Snacks McGee, fucking Kelvin Benjamin even had a thousand yards, yeah, you know, a season or two. Like, I mean. Steve Smith actually endorsed for the first time. That dude's an asshole, by the way. Everybody knows Steve Smith's an asshole. I right? love him so okay, much. Yeah, me too. I love him. Uh, he was like, you guys have not been able to replace me until today. Then that was when DJ Moore was was drafted he the joy he's like he has the talent he has the foot speed he loves him and i think in somebody like that who is a wide uh a hall of famer endorsing a guy like that i think that does say something and i think his numbers at the end of the season kind of showed what he's capable of and what cam newton's able to do so i i think that he's going to be really good this season one other stat that i want to bring up that uh, i brought up on the instagram post was yards after catch per reception um, the leader of that was the guy I was talking about, Albert Wilson, uh, wide receiver for the Dolphins. But second place is DJ Moore. So after the catch, like per once you divide up amount of receptions, obviously uh, Kittle led in yards after the catch, but if you divide it by actual targets, uh, DJ Moore is great. Like you say, he doesn't get the ball that much, but when he gets the ball, he does great things with it. And they're not idiots, you know, in Carolina. They're going to be able to figure out, or in Charlotte, they're going to be able to figure out that if we feed DJ Moore, give him thirty percent more increased load, then he's probably gonna break out, and that's definitely not. That's season. fair. I just I don't see the thirty-year-old quarterback who, in the last four or five seasons, has not targeted his wide receivers that much. And granted, it's probably because he hasn't had a player like Steve Smith Senior. We'll see. And he had a gimpy arm last year, so. and still put up that. a better yardage total than he did in twenty seventeen. But whatever, that's fine. <laughs> His arm was actually was like really messed up. <laughs> you can't. Good arguments, guys. A no. lot of information there. Take with wit, with it what you wish. Um, we appreciate you guys listening in. Please feel free to follow us on Instagram and Facebook. And part two will be coming out because Mike didn't get a chance to talk about his second guy. We'll probably do a little mini episode in the in the near yeah. future because that's what Mike wants. <laughs> that's what Mike wants, <laughs> and that's what you get. We're signing off. Appreciate you guys. Later. Later.